Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color only more so, liking the Writers Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writers Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Good. I mean, the good experiences, it's funny because I always say my good experience is my bad experience, right. which is, you know, I got staffed on Dawson's Creek. You know, it's season three of Dawson's Creek. There are no writers on that show who have ever written an episode of Dawson's Creek except Greg Berlanti. So, like, here I am, and it's, like, my second job, and I have never worked in one hour. Like, I started in half hour. I was an assistant in animation, and, like, I show up my first day, and I have actually outlined and beat sheeted all 35 existing episodes of Dawson's Creek. Wow. And, like, I assume that's kind of like the bare minimum you have to do oh to like be a writer on a TV that's show. Amazing. So, and like that season becomes this whole, it just takes on a whole strange life where we have multiple showrunners. And by the end of it, Greg Berlanti is in fact running Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And I wrote seven episodes that year. (laughs) But, like, that was completely an example of, like, total chaos. So at the time, you know, I was basically, you know, crying in the bathroom constantly or, like, on the plane to Wilmington or doing all these things that I wouldn't realize until many, many years later, you don't get to do all that, like, on your first job. And you're not on the set and you're in the editing room and you're breaking all the stories and you're writing seven episodes. So it's only an environment of total chaos that allowed me to have (laughs) this experience in this environment and you know frankly Greg is a great person in terms of collaborating and mm-hmm. just being like okay you're going to write this like don't come out of your office until you have this fight scene or whatever it is mm-hmm. and so it was just learn by doing and like uh, be thrown into the deep end that's incredible so yeah. it's kind do, of like <laughs> oh, do we record all that <laughs> alright look this is Gina Fattori <laughs> Gina thank you for telling the story I want to talk more about this uh, but let us introduce the rest of the group here um, and then I want to come back to a couple things. Courtney, say hello and tell people what they know you from. Hi, uh, my name is Courtney Lilly. I have no idea what people can know me for right now. Your name. <laughs> right now, I work uh, on ABC's Blackish, which I've been for the last three years and I enjoy it. Uh, I've been lucky to be doing uh, this half hour sitcom thing for about the last 13 years. Yeah, what so. were some of the other shows you worked on? Let's see, going backwards, I worked on Undateable mm-hmm. after, and I worked on Guys with Kids. I was on the Family Guy spinoff The Cleveland Show. 
I was on My Boys. It was a great show mm-hmm. on TBS for a while. Yeah. I was on Everybody Hates Chris, mm-hmm. and I started off uh, on Arrested Development, the first two seasons. Did you start in animation as well? Yes, I did. I, I worked you did. Yeah, on Vader Zim. I want to talk here. a little bit about yeah. that uh, from both of you yeah. and how to get out of that, because <laughs> some of us at that table. <laughs> Kathleen, please introduce yourself. Tell us why we know you and where we've seen your name. Um, my name is Kathleen Robertson. You do not know me as a writer. You know me as an actor. Um, I've been an actor for, oh my God, 30 years. Um, and I'm now writing as well, which is super exciting for me. Um, and you're writing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been amazing. Um, I sold a show to Lifetime with Christina Applegate attached um, that Gil Netter's producing with me. And I, I also um, just sold a show uh, to E. Mm-hmm. That's... Um, Swimming with Sharks. Yeah, it's, an adaptation um, of, it, yeah, of that movie. And they're producing it. Kevin Spacey and Dana Bernetti are producing it. Super well. fun. Well, I want to get in on mm-hmm. uh, to that stuff in yeah. a minute. But let's go back, uh, Gina, <laughs> and talk about this. I mean, look, in many ways, this <laughs> Dawson's Creek year was, as you say, a, a really good experience because you learned how to make TV. Exactly. <clears throat> what had you been doing before that? And, like, what were the kinds of rooms you were in? You were in comedy, you were in animation. What were you doing then? Right. Well, I actually, I started out, I was Greg Daniels' assistant Mm -hmm. when he started King of the Hill. So Mm -hmm. he and Mike Judge came together, and I worked for Greg, and he let me write a freelance episode of King of the Hill, (laughs) which, you know, was what how I got an agent, how I started to, you know, it's my big break, you know. And um, so I just always assumed that I would do half hour. And, like, that was part of why I came out here to L.A. originally. I knew Greg mostly through his mother, who was my boss, when I lived in, in New York after college. Doing I what? <laughs> I worked at the New York Public Library in the okay. fundraising office. So um, cool. Greg's mom was the head of major gifts and planned giving, mm-hmm. and I was her assistant. That was my first job out of college. I went to Columbia. I, you know, was one of those people who always wanted to be a writer, but, like, I had no concept of how you would be a writer other than get yourself to New York was part of it, definitely, <laughs> and maybe you could be a journalist. And so I grew up in Indiana, so it was like, you know, New York was the first step, which was hard. And being a journalist, I did actually, after I worked at the library in New York, I worked at the Chicago Reader, which mm-hmm. is like kind of like the LA Weekly or the Village Voice. And while I was doing that, I also did this little zine that was called Gina's Wacky Fun Page. Mm-hmm. And what I was the content of the zine. The content of the zine was basically just like Q&As with me where like the answers were actually like Flaubert or like some <laughs> other famous writer answering your questions. So and I would always send it to Greg's mom and Greg's mom sent it to Greg and his wife Suzanne Daniels, who's also kind of like been an inspirational figure in my career. And it was Suzanne who first said to me, you know, there aren't a lot of women writing TV and specifically comedy. And um, so I started thinking about it back when I still lived in Chicago and and, like Greg and Suzanne explained the whole like spec script concept to me. And I tried to write one and uh, I thought about it. But then when Greg got his deal with Fox to kind of you know, he was coming off The Simpsons. He and Mike Judge came together, and they were going to do this show. It wasn't picked up yet, but he had a development deal. And back then, you know, people had assistance in mm-hmm. those deals. And that was when his mom basically called and said, I think you should move to L.A. and work for my son, and he should help you be a TV writer. <laughs> wow. That's so, fantastic. <laughs> That's I mean, fantastic. sometimes I don't like to tell that story to young people because it's a little depressing.
depressing. <laughs> it's so dependent on all this series of coincidences. Right. But that's, I but feel like that's, look, I've been doing this for yeah. six years now, and I've heard 500 stories right. like this, and every one is a series of coincidences Absolutely. and luck and timing, but also, you know, being there to back it up. Yeah. When the time comes. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten a freelance episode if you weren't doing a job as an assistant. Right. It right. was it was amazing. And, and I mean, being there at the beginning of a show, like I look back mm-hmm. now and weirdly, especially being a showrunner's assistant, I realize like you see everything like it's kind of the one job. I mean, being a writer's mm. assistant is great. You're in the room. You hear the writers talking. But looking back, even especially on an animated show, because it's not just the writing, it's every single aspect of like, you know, you're basically you've got like the sound editor is calling and the network is calling about this and that. So when I did that job for two years, I really understood the pressures of the showrunner, which involved like making sure that the room is always going and who's the person who's doing that for the showrunner. <laughs> and um, I learned so much because it's a new show and yeah. you learn mm-hmm. tons on a new show. And then when I got my episode, <laughs> I got staffed randomly on like a mid-season show that was yeah. a sitcom, like a multicam sitcom created by Jeff Strauss and Jeff Greenstein. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And, well, um, was it Partners? <laughs> it was after Partners. Okay, okay you know your TV. Well, Greenstein um, <laughs> only ever wants to talk about Partners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was called Getting Personal, and mm-hmm. it was uh, Vivica A. Fox was the lead, and um, John Cryer, who's gone mm-hmm. on to do yeah. pretty well in television, was on it. And um, it was a small room of ten people with essentially six men and four women. So, like, I, all the fears of sitcoms, hmm. I didn't have those bad experiences. It's just, it was a good experience. I'm still friends with all the people I worked with on that show. But when it got canceled, um, my agent said to me, like, you got to write something with a girl in it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I had been working on this Sex in the City spec script. And then I actually get a meeting on Sex in the City, like after season one, and I don't get the job. And this is not a good lesson to writers because I couldn't finish my spec script. I was so demoralized <laughs> that I was like, cannot sure. finish writing that. So I was like, OK, pick myself up. What am I going to write? And I wrote an Ally McBeal. Mm-hmm. And my agent happened to know Paul Stupin, who was the non-writing executive producer on Dawson's. So I didn't make this conscious decision. I knew I knew a lot of women at that time, essentially, who were like, I have to get out of sitcom. It's not going to be good for my lifestyle. It's very, the comedy rooms are too hard. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, can't deal, don't want to do it. But I just thought Allie was a show that I could nail the voice of. And yeah. back then, that was a big part of getting staffed, sure. was just being able to nail the voice. And it was also, it was, that was one of the rare shows at the time that a comedy writer of, could kind of yeah. easily write more. <laughs> yeah. There are more and more of those now, which is great. Yeah, which is, yeah. But at it the was, time, it wasn't very many. I yeah. want to ask just briefly, and then we'll yeah. move on. Um, while you were an assistant mm-hmm. on King of the Hill, and around the time that you got that freelance episode... Mm-hmm. Were you writing other stuff? Um, It's funny. I mean, I've always been a person who, like, I write my strange, you know, spec scripts that will never be produced because they're set in other eras, like, say, (laughs) the 1790s. And um, but I was at that time, I think it was very focused on you needed your your people didn't care so much about spec pilots, honestly. And like my whole thing was like being the showrunner's assistant while I wasn't in the room. Uh, there were hours during the day when you could write at your desk yeah. if you you know played your cards right. Also, if you stayed late <laughs> into mm-hmm. the evening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think my first... I mean, I also wrote a news radio spec, mm-hmm. and um, I think I just was writing specs and maybe one screenplay that, of course, never got sure. produced. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I... Then when I got the the freelance, the whole... I mean, it was 12 episodes the first season, so I, my freelance episode was uh, in season two. Mm-hmm. So... 
I was. I mean, I, I think the hardest thing to do is to have a day job and write. I Absolutely. mean, I still believe that. It's just really hard. Absolutely. Um, all right. I want to I want to pick up there when we come back. Uh, but Courtney, tell us about uh, your sort of breaking in story, your secret origin story. It's hilarious. I was laughing when Gina was talking because, like, outside of, like, the Daniels family, it's almost the exact same thing. Really? Uh, I went to Columbia, wanted to be a writer, got a job at a newspaper right out of school. Um, I made it three days in before I realized I did not really want to be a journalist. I studied <laughs> journalism all through school and worked the newspaper and the radio in station. In school, you didn't realize. <laughs> it wasn't like a real job. In school, you're like taking classes, doing all that other kind of stuff. You write some articles for the newspaper, you do some stuff on the radio, and then all of a sudden you're like, and I got a job, a great job at the Providence Journal as a sure. reporter there, and it was like in this bureau out in the Connecticut and Rhode Island border, and like I was, every day I had to come up with news stories about these two towns that I think between them at that time had maybe 5,000 people. <laughs> so it was it was hard, and then I realized... First of all, I would watch that show. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it's... And there's also, like, a very kind of... is interesting. There's, like, a whole Grey's Anatomy aspect to it, too, because as part of a way for the newspaper to kind of, like, stick it to the union, they created this position. It was, like, fellowships where they had all these young reporters, and that's part of the reason I got the job, is, like, they had 15 to 16 of us who all came there, and it was, like, out of school, a few years out of school. So it was, like, not only was it, like, oh, I got a job as a reporter, all of a sudden we're, like, people were living in these giant Victorian houses <laughs> on a college town. We're going out every night. It was great. I think, like, the people I made, some of them are amazing reporters still. Like, you know, there's a guy from the program who's, like, a major New York, two of us, two of them are, like, major New York Times reporters. Like, everybody was great and very talented. <laughs> I had no business being so, so what was the disconnect for you once you got there? What did you realize you weren't? getting to do that you wanted to do? Uh, this is, again, this is the part you'd think I would have realized earlier. <laughs> I don't like asking people questions. <laughs> and that seems like not that I'm not one. interested. <laughs> well, it's, it took me three days to realize this was not for me. And I made it about eight months total at the newspaper before I realized really I had funny. to kind of like transition out of that. But um, no, well, I knew you journals. wanted to write. I knew I wanted to write. And I do like... <laughs> I, I'm a curious person, and I like curious people, so reporters are still some of my favorite mm. people. Just the aspect of me every day going up and being like, oh, hey, what's going on with this building permit? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> that did not work. That did not work quickly. And then so, I moved back to New York, okay. and with my journalism background, I worked on some like sports websites with mm-hmm. other great people. I got very lucky. I've had most of my experience, I've worked with really good people inside and outside the business. That's so, right. like, um, But... A million years ago now, there was a, let's see, I kind of started to tell people, like, I was like, hey, maybe I want to be a TV writer. Mm-hmm. And I had no it's idea. It's hard to come out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, this is also, Very like, hard. the 90s, and, like, nobody knew. I didn't, I was in New York, and the idea of moving to Los Angeles at that time seemed insane, because New York and L.A. and that whole thing, I didn't know anybody out here. It just didn't seem like a thing. And then, but uh, Nickelodeon has a writing fellowship program, and I had a friend who found out about that, and I guess I had said something at some point to somebody, and she's like, oh, you should try that. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'll try it. And so did you have to write a I had to write a spec. I had to write a spec. I had no idea how to write a spec. That's, I, this is always very interesting. Oh. So how did you, especially then, you couldn't go online and no. find all the things. I went to Borders, uh-huh. which already dates the story. I went to <laughs> Borders, and I picked up a bound book that they sold at the bookstore of Fraser scripts. Awesome. <laughs> so I could get formatting. Yep. Um, and great. I wrote a Simpsons spec. Mm-hmm. And I think because it was the first year of the program, 
uh, and it was early days of the internet. Not nearly as many people knew about it as they needed to, and I was able to eke my way in <laughs> off of that. And uh, right after I got laid off from my online job, like a few weeks later, they're just like, hey, you want to do a phone interview? And ended up getting the gig that's somehow. That moved me out here, and, you know, that started the ball rolling. Yeah, so, so was that like a, a fellowship program where they basically take you through a training course, sort of like they have at the studios now? Yeah, absolutely. And this was, you know, it, it was kind of just like the movie out here, they put you with mentors and so on and so forth, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. I was mostly, it was, again, it was the infancy of this program, mm-hmm. and so, like, mm-hmm. they just kind of, like, there's a show on Nickelodeon, it's hilarious. Um, it was, like, Invader Zim, and it was it's basically, like, uh, uh, the Jonan Vasquez, the comic book writer, created a show about, like, a little incompetent terrorist alien, which was hilarious before 9-11. <laughs> and then it stopped being pretty funny pretty quickly. And so, like, it was, but it was, like, a brilliant show, and mm-hmm. had a lot of vision, and I was basically there with those guys and and I they treated me well and I got to pitch stuff and eventually got a little freelance thing and so like it was it was less now I think it's a very structured program mm-hmm. then it was a little more just like hey go learn oh, interesting. and that worked well for me cuz like I kind of like the you know to blend in. Well, so. sure, and I mean, there's really, and you had this too, uh, Gina, but th- there's something to being immersed in it. Yes. Right? right. Where you mm-hmm. just, you have to do or die. Yeah, sink or swim. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so so you you got a freelance episode yeah. there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You learned how to write these animated shows. You must have learned everything, though. About? About TV writing. Um, I got, well, I mean, like, I, you know, it's like mostly I just find myself in these situations and you kind of, it's, 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 I think it's a, cause every show you're on, the culture's different. It's always a series yeah. of sink or swim. So it's kind of just like, all right, figure it out. Cause if you don't, you're not going to stay here, you know, kind of thing. So with animation, like, yeah, I started off at the animation studio at Nickelodeon. I knew nothing about animation. And so I had to learn. And then, yeah. you know, I'd watched a lot of TV. So I figured like <laughs> live action, I kind of got the rhythms of it. And mm-hmm. so I was writing live action specs and doing that. Do you remember the specs you were writing? Oh, yeah. Um, what did I write? I wrote Malcolm in the Middle, I think. Um, I wrote a curb spec that actually got, that was like the one that kind of like mm-hmm. lifted me toward other opportunities. Um, <laughs> what what was ago. it about that, do you think? I'm always curious about the, uh, someone years ago on the podcast called it a magic script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That people really start to take notice. It's the one that is, you know, your calling card for at least for a while. I, you know, I think it was A, because. Curb's a very specific voice, and I think I was able to kind of like like mm-hmm. thread that needle. I think because it's also like a plot driven show that it like show oh, and like you can kind of drill with it, it. If you can make that work, you can show your execution on a variety of different levels, you know. Because it's also like as much it's it's very funny, but it's very character driven humor, mm-hmm. you know. So we had to find the specific kind of ideas that worked with it. You had to kind of keep it fresh, and it was early into the run of the show, so mm-hmm. like. You know, even then, it was it wasn't like it was. You know, they now where it's been, they've had gone through so many, right. so many, so many ideas. And I also think it was early, and so people weren't specking it that much. There were enough people mm-hmm. doing it that it was like familiar, but right. it wasn't also like oversaturated. And people right. were just and like, writers oh. loved that show. Yes, so it's, it's a writer like show. a moment. It's yeah, a and you're right. I never thought about it, but it showcases everything you can do. Absolutely. Right. Well, Absolutely. That, I mean, that seems like the best argument 
I've heard to bring back specs of existing shows. <laughs> we were talking about it at work yesterday. We don't know why people are spe- I, mean, I know why they right. spec pilots. Because for agents and all that other kind of stuff, and it's, there's so many places to sell things, and they're looking right. for people to market and brand, and the business is different than it was. Staffing isn't quite what it used to mm-hmm. be, yeah. and they're looking for long-term people with voices they can market and sell and do all that other kind of stuff, and I totally get that. If I was running a show, I'd want to read a spec. Because I want to see them be able to write in that voice, be able to tell a story that is unique but familiar with the environments you're kind of dealing with and yeah. it just you know and pilots are hard pilots yeah. are so hard who wants yeah. to you <laughs> know another argument for pilots right, right. I mean but, if you but, can pull that off but well it's still even then like great writers yeah. don't pull off pilots That's true. and you don't have and actors are so important in making a pilot yeah. actually work yeah. you know yeah. there's so many like various things that kind of like go into pilot is not the actual business or mm-hmm. the job of what you're doing right. that it feels like Were you saying that, they, that that's not done anymore? Not nearly as yeah, much. I, I mean, mean, I'm just laughing because I've had this exact same conversation with Rena Mamoon, who yeah. is a showrunner. Yeah. And like, you know, just we, we just last week, I think we were talking about this, you know, just this idea that the, I mean, that is why I got that job on Dawson's Creek. I mean, I worked for that show then for four years and almost 100 episodes. And basically, Paul Stupin said to me, probably at the rap party, like I said, why did you pick me? Because there was no showrunner at yeah. that point he was the one making the decisions and you know he said I figured if you could Allie was a quirky show and you nailed the voices of Allie Mm -hmm. and Dawson's in the beginning was a very quirky Mm -hmm. show in the dialogue and the style of the dialogue so Mm -hmm. I mean that's something you can see right there on the page and TV being on staff is mimicry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what yeah, it is. Yeah, that's the job. When, yeah. when you are hired on the staff, yeah. that's the job. Look, I've been, I've been making this argument for five years. <laughs> <laughs> it's so glad to have you guys on board. Uh, Kathleen, pilots are hard. Is where we just left it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You've taken on a few. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's go back a little bit. Look, you've got a good career. You're acting. Yes. People like you. They want to put you on their shows. Yes. Why start writing? That's, <laughs> that's a terrible idea. I'm asking myself that now. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, this is so much work. Um, when did you start writing? Have you always been a writer, but in hiding? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've always, I've always written. Um, I have drawers and drawers filled with stuff. And um, I just never sort of, I think the very... Um, I did the showrunner's training program last year, Mm -hmm. and I was amazed when I did that at how much people what people think of actors. And, and I was Wait. blown away. I mean, I, what do people think oh of actors? God. You were in a, like, yeah, and I, and nobody, oh, no. and I was, they didn't know. No, and I was sitting like, in the back like this with my glasses and my hoodie you and like nobody was paying That's attention to me and I was just sitting there listening, no one knowing I was right. an actor and, right. oh, and no. seeing these massive showrunners <laughs> right. come in. Every showrunner that would come in would be basically like, well, we're we know what actors are like. Right. And let's talk about actors. I mean, we all fucking hate them, but we have to deal with them. And I was blown away. And so oh at, at, by the end, oh by the end, they had me come up and speak. Wow. Because the, the man who was running the program was like, you should get up as an actor and sort of talk and explain why you all, you know. Anyway, I'm sort of digressing. But um, that's I think that's why I never let anyone read my stuff for so long. Mm-hmm. Because I had this sort of, um, I felt like, um, you know, I'm an actor and I'm going to be viewed as being an actor that wants to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And my husband's a producer. And my husband would always read my stuff and be like, trust me, you, you can write. You need, to, you need to let people read this stuff. And so... Um, I definitely had my magic script. Yeah, so what kind of material, left to your own devices, what kind of material were you working on, and then what was that magic script? Um, It's called Your Time Is Up, and it Mm -hmm. was a pilot script that I wrote, and um, off of that I just got, it it was, it it just, um, 
I got a lot of attention off of that off of that script. Um, John Wells read it, and I ended up writing something for him. And hmm. um, Brad Falchuk read it and loved it. And I was working with him, and it just became. It just was literally like a script that everybody kind of, for whatever reason, well, what do was you, like, I, oh, this let's drill person down is, is a real writer. What do you think it was about that script? Um, was think, it different to I mean, you from other things you had written? I mean, it, it was sort of, I mean, I set out to really, um, I set out to really just sort of write the ultimate role for an actor. You know, I sort of was like, I'm going to write something that's everything. Mm-hmm. Because I've read a thousand scripts, mm-hmm. and everything's got maybe 60% and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, um, my intention with this is going to be I'm going to write something that would be everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I mean, I guess people just really dug it. Sure. So yeah. I mean, you put something in there yeah. that, that meant something to you. Yeah. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, people can, can smell that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that sort of started So it got everything. into many of the right hands. Yeah. People responded to it. Yeah. How do you start to then have a career as a writer? How do you start to develop other, develop other projects with other people, take out your own projects? Well, I mean, I just, I have a ton of stuff that I'm working on. I mean, and I'm just very, um, I guess because I, I am an actor still and I'm working still as an actor, I don't, I've never, I've never done the writer's room thing. I've never, and so I always feel, you know, I'm probably, my experience is so different from, from what you guys have done. Um, but that being said, I've been on sets for 30 years, so mm-hmm. I've worked with a thousand showrunners. I've worked with a million. I mean, I know kind of what makes a show work and what makes a show not work. And and um, and I think, you know, my strength is probably ultimately that I just it's for me. It's just everything I'm you know, everything I write is, is just always comes from character. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't I don't you know, I don't care about it if it doesn't completely resonate with me. And um yeah, and I'm writing a movie for Julia Roberts right now, and I mean, I think that yeah. it's yeah. I mean, literally, it's just I'm blown away, and I, I I'm I have to think awesome. that it's because there's not as many women too. Well, you no, know, and that I it's mean, but that it's a specific thing as to being like a woman and really keying into because I mean, I obviously write. I write for dudes too, right? But you know, but you should own that. That's awesome. Yeah, like, I mean, I, yeah. I feel that too. But also at the same time, that's huge. Like you yeah. really did. I mean, yeah, you found your voice basically, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, I want to ask. I mean, you mentioned being on a set for thirty years, on set yeah. for thirty years, yeah. and and you guys have worked on all different kinds of shows, and doing that stuff, you do start to realize what makes a story work. Yeah. Um, so let's get real nerdy on this. <laughs> okay. And what makes a story work? What makes a TV show work? Uh, look at the think of the shows you have worked on, and what let's take them apart a little bit. Uh, what made them work, or what made them not work, or were they missing? TV shows. Yeah. I think a lot of it is luck, <laughs> which is not a great answer, but like you can have a great script, a great idea, and you cast a role wrong, you know? And there's no way to tell because of the way mm-hmm. the business works, too. Yeah. Some people are offer only. Some people are doing this. It's a million things. And you get into this thing, and it's yeah. like, this was supposed to be a romantic comedy between these two people. No chemistry. You're done. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You can't do it. And then you're trying to fix it on the go. Right. I've, I mean, and it's... I've 
only work with talented people, talented writers, talented actors, talented yeah. all that other mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it's like there are limits to what you can achieve. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people who are great actors are in wrong roles, you know, so it's not even like this or right. yeah. there are great writers who like we get stuck in a thing, you know, or it's not the right time for something. It's so much of it is like kind of like something happening at the right moment and everybody kind of allowing it to kind of just happen and be. And I know that's not like a great answer for like, but if you're talking about like TV specifically, what mm-hmm. makes it work sometimes? Sometimes because it is a living thing, you know. It's like yeah. you're feeding off of you know feedback from the network and feedback from now from shows and viewers, and you're also trying to like work with the actors and what they want and all this. Other, it's it's it, it evolves, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think that's that's actually a great jumping off point for talking about. And again, this comes up frequently. There's so much we can't control. Yeah. <laughs> so right. the thing we can control is the script. Right. Right. Uh, you know, this is a podcast for writers, uh, <laughs> many of whom are writing samples. They're writing uh, specs so they can control the script that they are writing. So what can they do to make it a good show, make it a good script, make it a good story, make the characters uh, sing? I, th- I think, I mean, just going back a little bit to, you know, the sh- I think it's specificity of voice is huge. And I think taste if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. it's just... Uh, I worked on a show called Boss um, that Kelsey Grammer was in. I don't know if any of you saw mm-hmm. that show. But it was the best thing I ever worked on as an actor. It was I learned so much as a writer on that show. Um, the guy who created that show, his name was Farhad Zafinia, and he would sit behind the monitor, and he essentially directed every every episode. I mean, he didn't, but right. he was... It was the spec- And the scripts were so specific. In what way? <sighs> Where people were sitting in the room. Oh, wow. What their shoes were, mm-hmm. how their body language was. I mean, little de- it was these little detail things. Because to me, it's all about what makes something great. It's the scene work, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like as an actor, there's nothing worse than getting a scene where it's flat and there's mm-hmm. nothing for you to do and there's nothing there. When there's something specific, something weird, mm-hmm. like this bottle cap, there's something specific about this, you know, and it's written into the scene and it gives you behavior that fuels the scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, it's se- it seems like a little thing, but to me, like, that's what makes great writing, and that's what makes great... Any show that you watch, it's the specificity, it's the details, it's the little things that the characters do that let you know inside sort of what it's really about. Yeah, that's a great point. I want to pick that up in yeah. a minute, but Gina. Um, well, I would say, I mean, I have, I don't, and now I can't remember which one of my friends said this a zillion years ago, so I probably will not credit, or maybe it's just a cliche, but it's like, write the script that only you can write. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're going to get, you know, your best version of you on the page um, and uh, and it's going to pop and also if you love it you're going to spend more time on it probably and um, obviously you need to show it to other people and get feedback <laughs> which is kind of the part that I don't like um, but we, we have to do and we wouldn't be sitting here if we weren't yeah. willing to actually do that because I, I look back and I did start out with a lot of people which is kind of the great thing about TV is this idea that I did come up like mm-hmm. all the people I was assistants with you know a lot of them I'm still right. are still my friends. One of them's in my book club with me. So, you know, you can kind of track like what people are doing and, you know, not everybody even ended up wanting to be a writer, but like the actual time that you put into the writing and, you know, making it your, yeah, making it your voice. And I mean, it's funny, like I realized you mentioned character and and I know you're working on Blackish and like, I mean, 
comedy is character. And I mean, I have worked in one hour, and I, even though I kind of started in comedy, and um, plot is now king in one hour, which mm. is a totally different thing right. than character. In so, cable. Yeah. Mean, for well, ca- for, I mean, for network one For hour? network and for cable. I mean, really, like, one hour dramas. I mean, I'm actually a recent convert to the Americans, which I will not yeah. start oh, talking about, because right. then I won't stop. <laughs> but, um, and that to me is, like, just amazingly beautifully plotted and mm-hmm. character-wise right. and mm-hmm. all those details and everything. It just works on every level, but um, but that's a different kind of writing skill to be yeah. able to do that. And, well, that's rare. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the Americans. That's yeah. better call Saul. Yeah, Fargo, <laughs> maybe that's it. Right. You know, that, that super high level of. But but even in terms of, I mean, especially in terms of network, I mean. You know the the amount of plot that was in a Dawson's Creek episode, like the young people would laugh. Like I don't even think they can watch it. Like my oldest niece is like eighteen. Like some of her friends have seen it on Netflix, but like nothing happens. Yeah. Like we were writing these forty four minute like yeah. radio plays, yeah. right, you know? right, right. and basically nothing happened. But like you know, and I like to blame twenty four. So like <laughs> if they're listening, they know where to find me. Um, but like this insatiable need for plot in one hour oh, is a, just it, it affects everything. So it's like picture six act breaks, like six, picture you're writing that and everything has to be a reversal. Yep. And so you're basically like, I mean, you're setting up something for a whole act that doesn't even continue in the rest of the script. Right, right. Right. So, I mean, it's a like a construction nightmare. I feel, feel like that's happening in comedy, too. Though. So oh, no. I feel like it is definitely destroying my illusions. Well, I mean, it's it's it is this thing of like, you know, where you have 21 minutes in a network comedy yeah. a lot of time, 21 and a half minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, OK, what's the A story? What's the B story? What's no. the Sea runner. What's this character doing? What's this character doing? And all this other kind of stuff, and then you have no time to be in anything, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. just moving forward, and like, you know, you come in with cuts that are seven, eight minutes long, and then you're uh, cutting to mm, make time instead of yeah. editing for shots and comedy. Absolutely. You're leaving big things on the table. It's like. And a lot of it feels like it is coming from this desire to keep things pacey with yeah. plot and yeah. allow things to kind of work in a way. And like honestly, you know, like you know, when I was doing my pilot, I was watching old pilots uh-huh. and I watched the Fraser pilot. Oh wow! And it's like, I mean, so quiet. It's yeah. so quiet. It's so quiet. And but also at the same time, the Fraser's stakes, a big influence on you. Well, yeah, exactly. It's been a big career yeah, maker for right. me in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, it's so quiet. And that the stakes are incredibly high in yeah. a way that'd be hard to do now because it's like is his da- he doesn't want his dad to live with him. Yeah. <laughs> Neither does Niles. Right. Yeah. And they've got to figure out to make a way that work. The stakes were very relatable and real in a way that's not quote relatable. It's mm-hmm. actually relatable. Mm-hmm. And it's just like and you don't worry about. And again, they have the benefit of a character who's already beloved, so you're not like right. setting somebody up and like is he going to be a horrible person? But like <laughs> but it is still a premise pilot. It's a premise pilot, and it's and the stakes are high, and you feel it. And it's the same thing. I don't know. And there's interesting things going on, but it's not like okay. What's Niles doing this episode? What's doing? And it all kind of like allows itself to be in a lot of times, and that's where you get like you're talking about Kathleen with character and all this other kind of stuff because you're not racing to the next bit or the next plot point or whatever Mm -hmm. that kind of thing is. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think then seeing that this is the way that TV is, are new writers should they be writing plot heavy stuff? I mean, I guess it's hard. say no. Right. I mean, I guess it's that kind of art versus, like, practicality yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, have a friend who gave me a spec to read that was kind of in the CW kind of genre-y, you know, young people and, and all that. And, like, when you're writing something like that, you do need to have twists. You know, you mm-hmm. need to hit those moments. And, you know, every... if, if But obviously, I've also worked in cable. And, like, the especially the idea now of the, you know, shows where, you know... 
I mean, I worked, I wrote a freelance episode of Pam Adlon's show, Better Things. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an example mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just an expression of Pam right. and yeah. her it's art and her, yeah. yeah, and you can do that. But like, you know, if you're obviously, I come from a perspective of not being a performer, so I wouldn't write something like that that is that mm-hmm. small right. because no one's going to produce something that small that comes mm-hmm. from a writer. Yeah. It has to come from an actor. <laughs> so like that, yeah. That's true. I mean, a lot of the half hours that we've seen yeah, that Aziz, live in that Louis, world. Yeah, yeah. Donald yeah. Lover's show. Don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, That's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. In terms of the business side of it is risk. Yeah. You know, and like when they're buying something from you, you know, a script is what you've sold in the room, you know, yeah. the idea for the show. But like if an actor is already attached to it and there's a vision for that, yeah. I think they see that. And that is obviously a great thing because right. it helps you, you know, it helps you so much. Uh, let me ask you guys, uh, and I'll start with you, Kathleen, specifically on the two projects that you're working on now or the three projects, really. Um are they, or is one of them, a an expression of yourself as a writer, as a person? And uh, does it fit into a mold of what's on TV right now? Meaning, like, is it something that I've written with? Is it personal? Oh, God, yeah. They're all, everything I write is super personal, even if it has nothing. I mean, yeah, very Can personal. you talk about it? I mean, like, look, you're doing an adaptation of a movie for television, yeah. Is yeah. there a way to make that personal? Oh, God, yeah. Tell us how. Um, uh, I mean, it's sort of... For, okay, for Swimming with Sharks, for example, you know, the, the original movie was two guys. Well, mine is, is two women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's completely... Uh, one of the things that that the, one of the, the the main woman is going through, it's an incredibly personal um, journey for her. It has no, I mean, it has nothing to do with the movie, the mm-hmm. original movie, um, but it's it's very much something like one of the things that she's going through, and it is something that I that I went through, okay. that I'm completely um, you know open about. I have a four month old, um, and uh, it was not easy to have that four month old, and the journey to have mm-hmm. that baby was was huge for me. And my husband, and it was really, really emotional and really, really difficult. And um, coincidentally, the woman in the show <laughs> going through a similar thing. And so it's like infused with that, and it's a way for me. And for me, I look at it as like it's a show for E. Mm-hmm. It's based on swimming sharks. But if I can't find a way to make it something that like makes me super excited mm-hmm. to write, then I don't want to do it. Have you? I mean. We often, once we start to get some traction in this business, get offered opportunities yeah. to work on a thing. And look, we all want to work. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes it's great to just be asked. Have you been offered those projects where you couldn't find your way in? Yeah. And did you turn them down? Yeah. How do you turn them down? I just say, it doesn't, I just turned something, I got something this past week and I just read it and I said, it was based on a book and it was just too soft. I was just like, it's really soft and too mm-hmm. cu- it's too cute and too soft and it's just not my vibe. Uh-huh. And I just right. said, thanks, but yeah. Knowing that you have other things going on. Well, just, yeah, but just knowing that I wouldn't be able to do a good job, yeah. like that I'm not the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just that thing of like, there's the right fit for every project. Like I could never write probably most of the stuff you've worked on. Right. I could prob- mm. and I know I could never write like that. I, I, no- I wouldn't know how to write that. I would literally be fired probably on the first day. In the That's usually flash. how it works. <laughs> um, the same question for you guys. I mean, as opportunities have come along over the years, 
when do you say yes? When do you say no? I'm really curious about when you say no to something because that's mm-hmm. so hard to do. Um, well, I can speak to like, I mean, I would say when I was starting out, I really didn't say no. <laughs> I had, you know, staffing, I was in the staffing season kind of yeah. realm. You know, I'm, I look back, I'm super glad that I stayed Dawson's Creek till the end, mm-hmm. um, stayed on Dawson's Creek till the end. Um, then I guess in, in subsequent staffing season years, there weren't really that many times I had multiple offers. I mean, especially if you think about I'm coming off of like a character driven one hour show in an era when like CSI is rising yeah. to the fore. Yeah. And right. and even today, like I worked on Parenthood season five, but like that's an example of like what other shows like yeah. that are out there. There aren't that many. So um, I, uh, yeah, I've kind of, and now I have the good fortune to, I know all these people who I've worked with and for, and, you know, people who were, you know, getting me coffee on Dawson's Creek have had their own shows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can basically, when I get offered a job or I'm, you know, thinking about it, if it's someone I've worked with before, who I know what they're like in the room Mm -hmm. and I know what they're like in the trenches, then I'm going to consider that way more. And the jobs that I would say, I have turned down some jobs, but in recent years, what I've really realized is that for someone like me, I have to not be on staff or I'm not going to be able to develop. Mm -hmm. So um, in order to be able to sell my own projects and do different things, I've had to turn down some actual staffing jobs. And I, frankly, I don't have children, so it's very easy for me. Sure. <laughs> like, I can just say, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself and try to sell a pilot. And, but I feel so much for people with kids because I know yeah. what it's like when you're looking at decisions. college or you're looking at all these things. I'm curious so. about that not staffing and taking the time to work on your own stuff and your relationship with your reps about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I guess I have, I mean, I have actually stuck with the agent that I had Mm -hmm. when I was an assistant. So Mm -hmm. I have this, we've, you know, grown up together all this time. Um, So I think there is an understanding that maybe I am a bit quirky (laughs) in this respect. I think sometimes they don't know what to do with someone Mm -hmm. who like doesn't have three kids going to private schools in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I think like Mm. it's a, the the funny thing is that the pot of gold for creating a show is also a, a, an allure to to mm-hmm. the agents. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think it used to be when I was coming up. I mean, I was exactly told, like, you know, do not develop do not develop a show until you can run it. Hmm. You know, and that was the conventional thinking of even say like 2002, yeah. 2004. I'm being told the opposite. Right, they don't want me to staff. Complete I've said switch. I want to be in a writers. Yeah, because I would love. I want that experience. That's right, so and I've said I want to go and be in a writers room, and they're like, well, we don't want you to. We want you to keep doing what you're doing. Why would you want to go do that? It's so interesting to me because I it's do bizarre. think. It's bizarre. It's because it's like there is institutional knowledge to be gained. Right. Handed down to like, even if it's just simple things. Where of it's course. Like, you're like, oh, well, yeah. It's that here's how you do this thing. And it's just familiarity in a way, too. Because, again, like the, the the detriment is sometimes you're on a show and you're like, and somebody's like, oh, here's a great idea for this thing. And you're like, we've done that in the last four shows I've been on. <laughs> and it's like there's right. a lack of creativity right, that right, comes right. from like constantly being on a staff, all that kind of stuff. But like. You know, it's uh, hopefully people can and their representatives all see look for that balance where you can right. maintain of your course, creativity yeah. and still kind of right. And I think I mean it is interesting. I don't know. I mean, we have to get an agent on here to talk to us. <laughs> but of course, they might not be honest. But that idea of certain people I know they see more in that role of creator, and certain hmm. people they see more. I mean, especially if you're someone like me who has worked on a lot of shows with a lot of different people, <laughs> because all the people that I've worked with have spread out in a giant fan throughout the TV. <laughs> industry. So, you know, when shows get picked up, if I know someone, they may just ask for me without the agents even being involved at that mm-hmm. point. Did you so. find it was like a 
there's sometimes a path of least resistance mentality for like how because like I had to do similar kind of things yeah. where it got to a point where I was like I've staffed I've staffed I've staffed I've staffed I've got to not go find a job because also <laughs> now there's like well you can't you can't develop in your contract to do all this kind is. of stuff it's in all the, yeah. and so like I basically purposefully sat out a staffing season oh, wow. to go develop for the first time and I worked really? for a long time and all that kind of stuff and it was like exactly like Jane is saying yeah. taking a bet on yourself and doing that ended up working out really well because that's when I ended up you know like literally I s- didn't staff that year to develop and started doing that and, and then coincidentally like Kenya who I knew socially like they needed another guy <laughs> and so because I'd already done the development I was able to come on keep sure. my development going get on this yeah. amazing show that has been like life changing <laughs> as far as like creatively and the people I work with who I all yeah, adore all that kind show. of stuff yeah. but at the same time I don't think I could have done it if I tried to staff because they wouldn't have allowed me to develop and I think that would have been a deal breaker at that mm-hmm. point. So like it's a it's a crazy yeah. it's, it's a crazy thing how it works, but I do think it was like, you know, they know. They know that's like we can get this guy on a job. Right. Then we, right. we can hire this person, they can get them hired, a job and it's so easier. you did have to say, This is what I want to do absolutely. this season. I don't absolutely. I don't want to staff. Don't put me in. Yeah, absolutely. yeah that's interesting. Um, was there resistance or acceptance, or how did you find your way with your representatives when writing became a reality? I think they were terrified. <laughs> I know my husband was when I first was like, okay, I have, I, I'm ready for you to read this. And my husband said, he's like, I was so scared. So I was like, oh my God, what if it sucks, and what am I going to tell her? <laughs> and I think my reps were, I mean, I th- again, I think my reps were like, oh my God, a fucking actress, like, mm-hmm. wanting to be a, you know. Yep. And everybody, everybody that everyone was very honest about it. Even when I started doing my first round of meetings, people were like, we're shocked. <laughs> you can actually write. Oh, I'm like, I mean, really though, I think it was, I think it's, um, you know, and they always sort of say the thing of like, do you know how many actors say they want to be writers? And, <laughs> you know, so I think everybody was nervous mm-hmm. for sure. And, and then I had to get separate. I mean, I, I definitely right. had to get separate representation at the same agency. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there now, and I, I would ask this of all of you, you talked a little bit about it, but, this this need for your agents to put you in a box mm. do well, they see do, they, do your agents see you whether it's staffing or creating a certain thing putting you in a certain place well, I'm asking I mean, basically, I what, do they, a, what do they think of Right, them? like, I was in a box, so, like, I can speak to that, because, I mean, what was I but a teen writer? Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to do four seasons on a show that is a teen show, that is that is the box. Right. And um, so, and I did have the... Um, the chance because someone I knew from Dawson's Creek created Californication, so mm-hmm. I got to work on that just yep. by knowing him. Um, and I, um, gosh, last year I did six weeks as a consultant on Unreal, which is like another yep. muscle. It's like yeah. a soap show and 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 a you know just out there like just you know fun crazy storytelling that was just like exciting and invigorating. And so yeah, I mean I think I personally know that like. I was really good at writing those shows, and I know how to do those shows. Um, but, you know, in my own writing that I do for myself that I'm not being paid for, I try to do all kinds of different things. So, you know, I think they do. It's easy It's easy for them to, like, have you in that box, and they just want their lives to be easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's know. like, and it, honestly, their part of their job is to market you, is to sell you. And it's yeah, like, sure. so the opportunities come, and they're like, I got just the guy, yeah. you know? And yeah. so... It totally makes sense, but it's the advantage of being a writer. I mean, I think, and I'm sure, as you know, Kathleen, for actors, 
was so much tougher because you're immediately disqualified from a million jobs because mm-hmm. you're not, you know, a six foot seven black guy who's going to be, you know. So, but for a writer, you can, you can totally play. play. Yeah. <laughs> but for a writer, you can write your way out of anything. You know, if you right, like, because yeah. I sit there sometimes and I'm like, man, I'm in this kind of area. I'm doing this. You can just yeah. write a great draft of something else that defines you in a different way. You know, if you want to switch to hour long, which I know a lot of comedy people have done, you mm-hmm. just write a great hour long. You know, it's easier said than done, but that's you have that ability to, to do that. And honestly, you know, and, and like I've much like you, Gina, again, mm-hmm. I've had the same agent for my entire right. career, the same manager, <laughs> and they're really responsive. They do. I mean, that's the thing. It's hard, especially at the beginning to understand, but they work for you. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully you have a rapport with them where you can communicate to them and say, here's what I'm looking for, you know, and it's hard at the beginning because you're often just looking to work and you just want everybody like you yeah. and do all this other kind of stuff. But it is like, hey, here's what I kind of want to move to. How do I do that? And they're going to tell you the same thing. Just write something great. But it's, <laughs> yeah. But it is. I mean, like at least they know that you're looking to do something else. And so right. when that right mm-hmm. thing comes across their desk, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was looking to do right. that. Right. I mean, I think it is hard because the agents, they do see you how they see you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just realizing now, is it like your siblings or your parents or something? They have this idea of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you really do have to shock yeah. with your writing sample, <laughs> whatever it is. Like the That's interesting. Yeah, I think you would have to sort of give them a jolt in some way. But other people could speak to having changed agents and found that like yes. a different mm-hmm. agent, right. you know, I mean, I, I think a little bit in terms of more of like TV and features, people switching back and forth. Like sometimes if you change your agency, you get like a different energy from them because, mm-hmm. you know, they might see you in a different way. But, all right. That makes sense. I want to shift gears and talk uh, briefly about pitching. You guys have all been pitching shows uh, within the past year or so, uh, <laughs> if not a shorter time. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm so How terrible just is thinking that? about it. How and terrible. I'm so angry about it. It makes me so angry because it's why I was like, this is going to be so great. I can wear my sweatpants. I don't have to be an actor anymore. And right. then it's like, what the, the fuck? I mean, pitching, it's like yeah. you have to be a full blown. It's horrible. <laughs> it's the worst. Oh, I you thought are, maybe you would. No, I'm, I know. People think, no, and I'm people like, assume. Look right. at me. Look right now. Like I'm, I'm not. It's not my comfort zone. It's the worst thing ever. I, I would have to say that I think that there's nothing I hate more than having to go in a room and pitch. Oh no, it's horrible. So it's horrific. But you've clearly had some success. So how did you get through it? Oh my god, I don't know. Tell, I have a little Ziploc bag filled with like shit from Whole Foods. It's like lavender oil and like oh relax remedy. And I, I mean, wow. it's the worst. It's the Good worst. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just have to, you just, I mean, it's like my husband's like, you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just yeah. have to literally do it. So do you, <laughs> how, do, but how do you, I can actually, oh, how do you prepare? I, I have a quote for this. Yeah. I just realized now I'm, I'm having my little, um, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, but this is my best ever piece of Greg Daniels advice mm-hmm. slash mentorship, which was actually many years after I was his assistant. But I asked him about this because I had like one of the worst sort of like pitch meetings, not d- didn't go badly, but like the highest level of like, I'm mm. like, it was the only time I ever wrote a pilot that like seemed like it was going to go forward. Like where they're talking to you about yeah. like, oh, here's some actors or here's this or here's that. Mm-hmm. I had to go like meet with like the president of the network essentially right. and pitch how I would change what they didn't like about the script and all this and, and <laughs> yeah. I emailed Craig and you know I feel like confidence is you know very has been difficult for me historically in my career <laughs> and, and many writers <laughs> yes, I don't feel yeah. like I'm going out on a limb saying that <laughs> so Greg said energy and passion can be mistaken for confidence <laughs> so that is what I take into my pitches like I try to be That's like great. I love this idea and I believe in it and I have worked how many drafts or how hard I've worked mm-hmm. to get it to this place.
space. And that's what I'm trying to bring into the room with me. So That's, that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. How to pretend to have confidence. Yes. <laughs> but it's true, right? I mean, you have I, to love the thing you're doing and speak well about it. Yeah. Uh, but energy is important, too. Energy, yes. <laughs> yep. I, I have such a, a sort of thing about it that what I do is insane, which is I prepare a, like a 15-page document mm-hmm. and I make sure that they've all read it before I go in the room. How can you make sure? Oh, oh my God. No, I, that's what <laughs> wow. I, because I can't, because it's such a, it's such a thing for me. That's what I know. And my reps are like, my reps are like, my reps are like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I know, but I cannot go into the room until I know that they've read it because I don't, because my stuff is, my stuff is so hard to pitch. It's so this. Which I think is, is wow. more and more common. I mean, yeah. I know, I'm, the, the stuff that I write is yeah. not like, okay, right. so you've got this, this, right. this, it's not, yeah. it's so tiny and hard yeah. to pitch that. That's what I do. I, mm-hmm. I write this huge document where I literally go as far as like, I do full character breakdowns. Mm-hmm. I do everything. I think many of us do that, and it's sort of mm-hmm. a, a pitch document that yeah. is often sent ahead or left behind. Yeah. Um, I was pitching last year, and nobody read this stuff before we <laughs> How do you? <laughs> well, after we, that was a great pitch. We'll read that. Right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> How do you make sure? That I just, I mean, I, I, for the, for Swimming with Sharks, for example, um, they so it's Lionsgate, and I'm working with them on something else. And they said to me, "Oh, they're into you. You know, they want to have you come in and give a take on this swimming shark thing." I said, "Great." So I preferred the 14 page thing. I gave it to Lionsgate. I said, "They have to read it though before I go in because you know that I suck at pitching. I'm not going to be able to do this. Please just promise me." Oh yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry, honey. Don't worry, honey. Da, da, da. I said, "No, you have to make sure because I'm just letting you know that if I go in the room and they haven't read it, I'm going to have to leave. Like, and yeah. that's going to be oh embarrassing." Wow. <laughs> I mean, literally, and they were like laughing and they're like ah ha ha and I said just please promise me <laughs> so they'd done it wow. I went in and I was like I, I walked in and the first thing I saw I was like did you guys read it? Yeah. and they looked at me and they're like yeah we read it I was like cool <laughs> so we have somewhere to go exactly. then I can talk about the, right. then I can really talk about as opposed to feeling terrified too. about right. are they going to understand right. what the show right. is and what these people you know the characters are and yeah. for sure yeah. uh, Courtney you, you pitched in this past <laughs> season yeah. how was it for you? it's interesting I thought it would be. I don't. Nobody likes it. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. It's okay. it is hard and it's very difficult. The one thing it leans into a little easier um, is it's you're just telling a story <laughs> essentially, you know, and mm-hmm. like it's a lot of practice. It's a lot of repetition. I do a lot of yeah. like like mm-hmm. rehearsal. You yeah. know, all do that you? That I'm kind of I'm curious about this because that that part is so hard for me. Oh, it's exhausting. Uh, <laughs> do you rehearse to other people? Do you rehearse yourself? Mostly to myself to start off, and then I can oh find God. an audience, whether it's like yeah. my girlfriend or like you know a manager or something right. like that. But it's like in hearing it too, I'm like you know, and again, and it's. And comedy feels a little different than drama in a lot of yeah. ways too, because you're just kind of yeah. selling them like, here's a thing. Here's the characters. Right. This is the situation. These are the people, right. and it's going to all change. We all know that. But right. like, right. You're, I'm like giving you the confidence of what this right. thing is, yeah. and you kind of see what some stuff is, and, and the concept's going to be a little more straightforward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially with half hour, yeah. half yeah. hour. And so like, you're just trying to make them laugh, make them like these people, yeah. make them like you. You know, tell mm. a story, show that you can tell a story, <laughs> and you know, and so it's really getting the rhythms of that down. And mm-hmm. it's always easier. And again, I'm, in, I'm Blackish is a great room to be in, and so like you feel very empowered there. A lot of people mm-hmm. are working there, and so like that's all I'm doing every day. Anyhow, is like telling stories, you know. And so as 
and again, this is not to make it seem easier. It's almost like, hey, just it's almost like trying <laughs> to say, like, it's okay, guys. It's like right. as as, as right. horrible as it sounds, and it's like I remember the first time I was going. It just sounds like it doesn't make any sense. You're like, there's we're gonna <laughs> yeah. do this whole thing. And there's right. eight, ten pages. You're gonna talk for twenty minutes right. and tell what's happening an entire show, all that other kind of stuff. And also, and like I have friends. You know, I was talking to one of our writers, Kenny Smith, and he's like, you write it down? No, man, I just go in there. I think some people are so good at right. that. Yeah, there are people who can just go yeah. in and you this know. is going to make me sound 100 years old, but like, I mean, I write my pitches yeah. when I do them and I don't memorize them, which people do. Yeah. I more like, you know, speak them and read them and whatever and try to be animated. But in the day on Dawson's Creek, we pitched the episodes over the phone to the network. Yeah. And like, we had outlines which were for us and for production. The outline was how you, yep. how right, we right. shared with each other. This yeah. is what's in episode four and you're writing episode five, so you need to know that. Yep. And production needs to know, do we need, you know, a fucking another house on the creek or whatever next week? So the outlines, we, I mean, we must have sent them to them, but literally we got on the phone. And I mean, it was a four-act structure plus a cold open, mm-hmm. but I look back now and I realize I pitched episodes of Dawson's Creek, like, constantly on yep. the phone. I pitched one once at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Yep. Like, I pitched <laughs> at what was the fancy restaurant on La Brea. Like, you know, it was just more verbally based, which yep. was helpful to us because it happened quicker mm-hmm. and we didn't have to get stuck in this waiting for notes. Mm-hmm. Now the pod has to read it, the studio yep. has to read it, the oh. network has to read it, and it was much friendlier to production. But, like, I honestly think that's kind of how I learned to, yeah, like, sure. these people are listening to you. You have to tell them this four-act right. story, you yeah. know, and succinctly. You hear it, too. Like, when you sit in there, you're like, oh, this is going right. in this circles. Wasn't <laughs> you know, in yeah, a way yeah, yeah. the page yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You can, like, with language and do yeah. some things. And people kind of know, but, like, when you're pitching it, and especially to other writers, yeah. immediately you sit yeah. there. And we've done that many times. We'll come in and Kenya, we're like, all right, here's the story on the board. Okay. Hey. And you're like, all right. We don't have a middle right. of the second act. We'll get there, though. Okay. No you know, and you're, you're starting seeing it. Oh, and it's just like, oh, God. Oh, God. But it's, you know, it's the useful yeah. being able to tell your story. Like, even if people who are writing specs, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. If you can pitch out what your story is to somebody, you're so much further along. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I always do bring in stuff, though, too. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I, I mean, it just makes me feel... 20% less. <laughs> if I have some pages that oh. I can just oh, yeah. touch. Oh, no, I have pages. Just help, oh, relax I always me a little bit. Oh, my God, I had art once. Yeah. I had, like, pictures yeah. of always things and stuff yeah. that I showed. So, yeah. yeah I, I have can. you done this before specifically just about pitching? Like, have you done specific? I don't know that you, we you have, need actually. To. We've done... You need to. Because I will listen to all of them. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. We should. We should find the best The best pictures. The best pictures. And get their advice. One yeah. piece of advice a friend who pitched a lot told me, he was just like, they want it to be good. <laughs> so it's True. not like Absolutely. a hostile... Right. Of course. Right. They, they hear those yeah. things. You sit there and you're going out and they're just like doing that all day. All day. For weeks yeah. and weeks. And mm. you're just like, they don't want this to suck. Yeah. Right. At all. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's a friendly audience. So right. kind of like... Like be disarmed. And go to Whole Foods and get your rescue remedy exactly. before you go in. Exactly. And that is why, I mean, there are writers who will literally write themselves a script and then sit there and read it. Right. And look, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Yeah. Right. And people are going to respond because they yeah. do want to like it. I think yes. that's an important point. The, the executives are not the enemy. <laughs> no. Right. Which brings us to notes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, you're working with some new writers now. Yes. 
how have you gone through a notes process with them, and have you prepared them for a notes process <laughs> with mean, Studio Network? It has been interesting to see, like, I mean, I know what it feels like because, you know, it just feels like whatever the, you know, razor blades and lemon juice or whatever is the appropriate <laughs> thing. Um, but I can also see now we're kind of being the older person here where you're like, okay, you know, there's just the bag of tricks. And, like, mm-hmm. it's like trying to figure out what's the note behind the note. Yeah. Right. You know, also, um, you know, I feel feel like if you have something that's structurally sound, then you don't want to mess with that. And it's more like, you know, character notes or dialogue notes or whatever. So just kind of taking it apart. And yeah, like, I mean, it's it's kind of nice, actually, to be the person who can just be holding the hand and saying, yeah. like, it's going to be OK. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and we have to try to figure out, like, the person, especially I know I, this happened to me, but also the people I'm working with, when you've written many, many drafts of something, it can be very hard to step back and say, OK. And weirdly, I worked at a newspaper in my yeah. 20s, right? And I was a copy editor. I was also afraid to go, not afraid, but, like, I didn't like to ask people questions. <laughs> um, but when I became, like, a copy editor, I was, like, desk-bound. And I had to ask writers questions all day long about semicolons yeah. and fact-checking and all this <laughs> stuff. But I realized, in retrospect, that's another weird thing where I had this rigorous training. And, like, here's this mm. piece of copy. It's, you know, you have to do everything to this piece of copy before it goes and gets typeset. Yeah. So you got to make sure all the facts are right. you got to yeah. make sure it's stylistically of a piece with the way that we do our newspaper and that that was kind of this weird training I had in my 20s and that's what the execs are thinking when they're reading those scripts right is they're saying is this you know and they're asking themselves those questions Mm -hmm. so I think you know to apply that to your own script can be very hard yeah (laughs) it's it's funny I mean we talk about a script having to be bulletproof before it goes to the next phase and I think you really you've taken that apart in a way that we haven't done before which is about the story, the characters, the style, mm-hmm. the grammar. Right. <laughs> I mean, everything top to bottom. And it, it, the it should go through this rigorous process. Yeah, people maybe don't care so much about the grammar, that's true. But I, it bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> and I did work for Jeff Greenstein once, and he's very grammar yeah. conscious. Yeah, he sure so. <laughs> He surely is. <laughs> uh, he'll let us know. Um, Kathleen, getting notes on some of the first stuff that you did. Yes. Was it, was it eye-opening to you? A little bit. I mean, it was a little bit that thing of, you know, it's the age-old thing, but it's a thing of, like, they'll give you this big note, and it's like, yeah, but that's the whole, that's yeah. what the show's about. Like, yeah. she's a little bit this. Right. It's like, yes, that's <laughs> what the intent, you know. It's, yeah. it's shocking, sort of. So how did you first. deal with them? Um... Well, I, I know I mentioned this already, but I found that the, the, the Writers Guild Showrunners Training Program, mm. if, if anyone's listening and you mm-hmm. have an opportunity of doing it, I don't, did you guys do it? I n- have never done it. So. you done it? I know a lot of people have done it. Yeah, yeah I know so many people. Lindsay Shockley who, did it. Yeah, yeah you, it you really I mean, it's My friend Chris Turner did it. Incredible. It was really <laughs> hugely helpful, and it talked about all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, it's the Meryl Streep thing, which is like you listen and you say, oh, that's a great idea, and then you just do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just like. Have you gotten away with that? I mean. A little bit. Like, I, th- I feel like if the notes are good, I'm thrilled to have... I, I, sure. I mean, I actually like... I'm not super, super precious, mm-hmm. and I love feedback, and mm-hmm. I love notes, and if something isn't tracking for somebody, then I want to fix it. You mm-hmm. know, if somebody's confused about something, or, you know, or... Sometimes, you know, um, it's the very thing of, like, the fact that it is confusing to you is, is what right. makes it good. Absolutely. Like, you want to sort of explain that. I feel like that's, like, a bulk of what I 
what the notes process is. It's about me going, yeah, that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to not know mm-hmm. what, right. why this person's doing this. That's what makes you, yeah. you know. And how can I be clear on the page that right. that's my intention? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, you brought up not being precious and... That seems to be the most important part. I mean, coming from comedy rooms, well, I feel like yeah. you learn that very quickly. <laughs> well, it's yeah. interesting because, like, you know, I had to, like, like anybody else, like, when you start off, you're so insecure about your abilities. <laughs> and I, midway through my career, had to make a personal change in the way I just addressed, like, dealt with writing. And it opened things up. because, so? Well, like, because, like, for me, like, now it's all about, like, collaboration communication and when you're working in like writer's room comedy specifically it's always about collaboration but I think the communication part I was like missing out on (laughs) and what I realized is that what made my like everybody writes a million drafts you know you're going to be writing drafts you're going to be writing drafts but I was writing like this thing has to be perfect and this thing and so any kind of rejection seemed like a rejection of me all that kind of stuff and I didn't want to hear what anybody had to say and this joke was set up by this and all this other kind of stuff and it just it was personally taxing, mm-hmm. you know? And so, sure. and as much as I wanted the collaboration, it was hard to do. So as I've kind of, like, now for me, it's, like, all about communication from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So if I'm dealing with executives or showrunners or all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, what are we looking for? What am I doing? And if I have a clear idea of what I'm looking for, too, I can communicate that. Mm-hmm. They can communicate back and forth because everybody's operating from an emotional place, you know? <laughs> and, like, I remember I had a showrunner once who told me, he's like, executives have two modes, ass, kiss, and panic, you know? <laughs> and, like... And like the and it's and it's it's like they're investing all this time and energy to create a product and have it be successful. Their <laughs> so careers are just as important, yeah. and they're coming from a place too. They're getting yeah. pressure from their bosses. Who knows what's right. going on? So sometimes they don't know what it is, but it's a feeling. And so like if you can start off with like communication and sitting there knowing mm-hmm. what everybody's yeah. kind of going for, and they can trust you because you're not holding things back from them, and you can talk to them, mm-hmm. then right. everything just becomes a lot easier. And notes hopefully stop being a thing of like 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 opposition we're against yeah. this you're trying to stop me from doing what I want to do right. and becomes a thing of like you know and again like trust the volume will, of notes will come when something's not working and it does come and then people panic and they react to it and all that other kind of stuff but that's more a condition it's not like they don't understand story or what they're looking for it's more a condition of things aren't working maybe people don't know how to fix it and everything becomes personal so yeah. I've had to kind of yeah. like shift my approach <laughs> for my own healthy. sanity yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's 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 it's, it's like, okay, yeah, we'll make it better. All right, yeah. great, we'll make yeah. it better. You know, and this yeah. is what we're trying to do. And if we the, the, things are in opposition, have a conversation about that. And then eventually people figure it out and it resolves itself or mm-hmm. somebody makes a decision or I make a decision or whatever that kind of thing is. You know, eventually sometimes you, things are mutually exclusive. But, you know, yeah, it is communication. I, that's just... Yeah. 90% of the job. Everybody wants everybody wants to be on a hit. Everybody <laughs> wants it to be successful. Yeah. That's kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask this just very briefly and then we'll, we'll wrap up, but you mentioned knowing that we're going to have to go through all of these drafts, mm-hmm. which is like when you're on a staff that is inevitable. How do you try to make it good for that first draft knowing you have a bunch more to go through? You know, your first draft is for your showrunner. Yeah. And your job as a writer on staff is to serve your showrunner. Right. Knowing I'm going to do more drafts. How do I wrap my head around making this as good as it can be? 
Right. That's so funny. I used to have this thing that I would, I believe this like occurred to me at, you know, when I was eating by myself at a restaurant in North Carolina, (laughs) possibly like season four. Um, At some point I just thought, you know, I write the first draft for free. It's all the other drafts that they're paying me for. And like, because it is like, and just now I am just at the stage where I've finished the absolute first draft of the pilot that I've done. And the producers are looking at it right now. I'm waiting to hear. And all last week I was thinking, I mean, obviously the world is what it is right now, but I was like, you know, I sold something that I love and this draft does belong to me. Like I made Mm -hmm. it through this outline process and, you know, I am, this is what I really wanted to do for myself. And like, I'm going to take this two weeks and just like every day, wake up and write what I want to write and just try to enjoy that part of the process. And, you know, that's about the best you can get in this industry is to be writing something you really love and getting paid for it. Like those two things don't always line up. So like I, yeah. And then to sort of think about it as the other drafts belong to other people. I mean, when you're in production, that's very, clear because yeah. it's like you know the network but also frankly the actors which right. was super hard on certain shows that I've worked on where like you know certain things can even get thrown out that are part of like the story arc you know and and then you're talking about throwing out episodes and different wow. stuff like that so mm-hmm. um, yeah you do kind of then get scared of yeah. the subsequent drafts <laughs> but you have to like get as much I feel like almost like good energy as you can coming out of that first one to carry you it's through. a great way to frame it yeah. and especially on a show it's so again, every show is its own mm-hmm animal in every kind of way so there are some shows you go into and it's like your first draft on the first time you're on the show and you know everybody's supportive and once you succeed and then sometimes it's like this is definitely a test <laughs> and if you don't fail if you don't pass it we're not going to tell you what the criteria is we're not going to tell you what the That's target true. is but it's a test you know yeah. and so like some of it just is maturity and career where you sit there and go like like I, I know that was big for me. I just got to a point where I'm just like, I can enjoy writing this because I know I don't get kicked out of Hollywood if this isn't right. Yeah. Sure. Right. Well, you know, well like, because you have to have the freedom to be able to write. You can't, I mean, with the stakes that high and you feel like you're mm-hmm. always like, mm-hmm. like, this is it. This has got to be the perfect joke. I can't move on if this joke isn't <laughs> hilarious. Then it's like, probably not going to be great, you know? And yeah. so, like, the more freedom that you have and some of that just, again, experience, maturity, security in the people you're working with, again, communication, all that other kind of stuff helps that out. Um, because it is. I feel like every show sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, because showrunners do talk about it. There's, like, the people immediately, there's so much money online to talk about firing people. <laughs> it happens all the time. All the time. Yeah, of course. I've been fired. I mean, like, I've had a great career. I've been fired. Been fired. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just, like, it's so, and I remember I felt bad for myself. I got fired. I can't believe it. It doesn't feel good. No, but I, like, sent an email out to my, like, other guys. It was like, yeah, it's happened to all this. You'll be fine. <laughs> that is the most heartening thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's part of paying your dues. Yeah. Uh, let's just wrap up, uh, starting with you, Kathleen by asking what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? I just finished the OA. Have mm-hmm. you guys seen it? No, I have not. Have you seen it? No. People, half oh. people are telling me to watch it, half people are telling me not oh. to watch oh, interesting. it. Interesting. Definitely watch it. Definitely okay. watch it. What is it about it? Sell me on it a little bit. Mm. <laughs> my, husband, my husband didn't like it. We were, we were, we were, that's not telling me. We <laughs> um, it's just really like, it's just, I mean, as a writer watching it, I was, I was just like, wow, how did they write this? <laughs> it's so, it's so interesting. And it's like, it's, it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. All right. All right. Yeah. I think I it's like something that's not like I think it's really it. cool. I loved it. I mean, it's not perfect, but you know, it's but really it's, cool. It's really cool. All right. Yeah. I'll take it. Oh man, I didn't prepare for this question. Um, I mean, I would say that March seventh, the Americans is coming back. Yeah, and why do we care about anything else? Show. But <laughs> um, 
Oh, gosh. I don't know. I have actually been watching comedies lately because I'm trying to write a comedy. Yeah. And uh, I have actually been watching Blackish. And uh, that's just, you know, a little bit of 22 minutes of happiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, and I don't know, I've been also watching a lot of documentaries lately, but that doesn't count as TV. You know, I I did watch, um, last night I watched The American Experience about Oklahoma City, which honestly, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but like it blew my mind, like the whole history of like... Yeah, the white nationalists and how that led to Ruby Ridge and Waco yeah. and then leads to Oklahoma City. And I'm like sitting there. I'm yeah, I'm watching PBS, the American Experience, <laughs> which is a dorky thing to be doing. But it does feel. I mean, look, it was amazing. The past year, all any of us are watching are the news yeah. and yeah. sometimes the comedy news. Yeah, but, and <laughs> the comedy a lot news. of documentaries. Yes, the comedy yeah. news. Well, right. I mean, Samantha B. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yes. But, oh my yeah. god. That so I feel neat. like we all, in many ways, we're turning to nonfiction <laughs> in a big yeah. way. Yeah. I, I know I am yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Courtney, what else are you watching? Uh, you know, it's funny because it's like, it's peak TV. There's all this great TV, all this great TV. But it's also kind of like with jobs and all this other kind of stuff. Somebody's like, you're going to love this show. It's in the third season. So you just have to watch 36, right. catch up on 36 hours. Of it. I'm like, I have no time for that. So I found myself watching a lot of movies because it's two hours. It's great. And you sit there and you're like, it's like your investment kind of feels human, you know? And like, I don't have to. And again, if something is great and it hooks me in immediately. But so many shows now, people are just like, all you have to do is get to episode eight. Right. And you get to episode eight hours of my life the time it takes to fly to London or whatever to, to, before I decide if I like this flights are, have been the best oh, yeah. but it's like still it's crazy so uh, I just watched again I saw it when it came out in the theater but I watched Keanu again with my girlfriend oh, so good. and it was a blast oh my it's just God. a fun hour and a half night two hours whatever it was I will just watch like, anytime when they ask him to flip over oh. on the wall and Keegan runs up and yeah it's it kills fantastic. me every time. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, are there other good comedy movies out in the past couple of years? I feel like there haven't been a ton that I've gotten excited about. It's tough because, like, so many feel it feels like they're the movie part one of the things I loved about Keanu is that it also they shot the hell out of it it looked like a movie and again, well, it was it with action genre yeah. kind of right. things but it was like a really well shot comedy too it wasn't yeah. just like guys here's four million dollars make some sketches and turn it into a movie so like that was one of the things I really appreciated and like you know hopefully that will be a sign of what is more to come because you're also seeing like so many interesting visual things whether it's like the what's the FXX show the man seeking woman like things happen very interesting mm-hmm. visually and you can do mm-hmm. a lot of fun with comedy but you know more often than not it feels like it's you're well, not seeing comedy that. movies I think have the same problems as movies overall right which is yeah. there's no middle yeah. right so yeah. it's like either got to be something you can do extremely cheap mm-hmm. or it's like the comedies that are like the two big stars yeah. in them right yeah, like yeah. where they pair oh, up true. the actual stand-ups who are huge or whatever <laughs> or Will Ferrell is in it I mean right. yeah. you know, like or Adam Sandler or whoever the people are but yeah I mean comedy movies my gosh mm-hmm. yeah it used to be you know, much bigger field Absolutely. <laughs> that would encompass that. Which, guys, that means there's an opening. Get out yeah. there, write a comedy movie, uh, write something that we so want to see. <laughs> it's so hard. Don't write it. Not you guys. Thank you all for being here. This Thank was a delight. You. Thank yeah. you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 